until you have to help them get dressed. I thought, this is just not, I mean, I go get some Levi's on a shirt, I'm ready to go. It's just not that way with a woman. And uh, it takes, uh, it takes, takes. I know, I, it just takes a while. I mean, it's an event, uh, you know. And you don't dare ask, what's this for? No, 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 no. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's funny what you say under the anointing, isn't it? Oh, gosh, I'm telling you. Anyway, the, our professor said never, never preach anything heavy during the summer because it's a waste of time. <laughs> So I'm going to waste everybody's time this morning. I, uh, it, it's good to have Brother and Sister Lawson. They sneak out here and they visit with us. And, and he, was, he has been a mentor. And, and he was uh, my dad's favorite preacher. I think, in fact, my dad gave his daughter away when she was married. He gave two of them away, didn't he? Uh, so uh, he kind of got a, a thrill out of walking uh, Brother Lawson's girls down the aisle and giving them away. And he's been an old-time, long-time friend of the family, and we, I appreciate you guys. It's an honor having you guys here uh, to worship with us. I'm going to talk about this morning. I want to encourage somebody today. Now, everybody goes through stuff, right? You might be going through some stuff today. And I want to encourage you today. Um, and I'm going to go, we'll, we'll go to the Psalms. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about uh, Psalm 73. And I'm going to, I'm going to share with you some things that uh, a real person went through. The Psalms, if you want to read a book that can relate to you and I, the book of Psalms, I mean, you can read everything in the book of Psalms. I mean, the whole range of emotions and uh, whatever you might be facing, if you'll go through the, that 150 Psalms, you'll find somebody that has experienced or is experiencing something that you're going through. It can be a mountaintop experience where he says, let everything that hath breath praise him. I mean, there are mountaintop, and then there's, then there's the low time. You know, and like Psalm 69 says, save me, O God. You know, from way up here to save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I mean, it sounds like this guy is going down for the last time. Now, waters is, the term waters has been used for, uh, for years as a reference to life. Uh, songwriters have used uh, water as a, as a symbol. When I'm tossed on life's sea, and the waves, they cover me, and, and, the, and the, you know, the clouds won't let the sun shine through, then a voice seems to say, child, there'll be a brighter day, and you can lay down your heavy load. When you, so the, the oceans and the sea and what's going on in this psalmist's life here, he's at the bottom, and he says, Man, the water's up to my neck, and he goes on to say, I'm sinking in the mire. Not only was the water's up to his neck, but he was bogged down. So we have all kinds of ranges of emotions from the top to the bottom. And then Psalm 59, verse 1 says, Deliver me from my enemies, O God. And uh, I have read some prayers in the Psalms that you and I would not dare pray. Isn't that true? Kill them, God. I, have you read the Bible? I mean, I mean, there was absolutely no grace in some of these psalm writers, the ones of the songs. There was absolutely no grace. I mean, grace at all. Just kill them. 
Let, let all the plagues of the book be put up on their head. I mean, they prayed some bad prayers, man. Now, I don't know if God <laughs> answered those prayers or not, but they prayed them. And sometimes you might be tempted to pray them about some members of your family or friends or neighbors or whatever. But, <laughs> but the Psalms are a great source of, of inspiration and encouragement and, and instructions. Now, so they reflect all of our moods that we go through. Now, and it gives us insight on how to find our way through our issues or problems. Now, the Psalms encourage our hearts, but at the same time, they instruct our mind. Now, it's one thing to know what we should do. <laughs> I don't think our problem so much, most of the time, is not knowing what to do. Our problem is doing it. Because there's that, there's that okay, I know what I should do, and I know what is right, and I, and I even know what, that it would please God if I do this, but we, somehow we can run things through our filters and justify us just, well, We'll do it later. Uh, more, you know, we just kind of stall in doing what we know we should do. So it's one thing to know. So the Psalms in, in instructs our mind. Now in Psalm 73, uh, we find a man named Asaph. Now, he's not just an ordinary person. Now, some 10 or 11 Psalms was contributed to his writing. He wrote these things. Uh, and he was having a problem with his faith. And, and I, I want to share this with you because sometimes, sometimes you and I struggle with this issue called faith because we are a Christian and sometimes we think that the things that we should be maybe exempt from some of the things that we go through in life. Now, he was not just another person. Uh, God used him mightily in writing songs. But you'll find out that he was the song leader in temple worship. I think it like two or three song leaders uh, in Solomon's temple that led, led worship, but he was one of them, okay? And so what was his problem? Uh, he found himself facing a complete loss of his faith. Now, some of you this morning might be struggling with your faith. Notice Psalm 73 and verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel. Can we say this morning with him, God is good? Oh, yeah, we say that all the time. God is good, but notice what he said. Now, to us such as are a pure in heart. Verse 2 says, but as for me. Now we say on one, in one breath we say, well, God is good and he's good to those that are pure in heart and, you know, whatever. But as for me, that's the, you, you heard of the famous buts of the Bible? It's the famous but of the Bible. But as for me, now notice what he says, my feet had almost stumbled. My feet had almost slipped. Okay, my steps had nearly slipped. What was facing this man that was that that was causing him to be shaken in his faith to the point that uh, he was, he, in fact, he was danger of losing his faith. At some point, I think we can all identify with what this man was going through, especially young believers who think that coming was to God was going to fix all their problems. Now, if you was under the idea that when you came to God. Uh, that God was going to, getting saved was going to fix all your problems, how long did it take you to be disappointed? Not very long, right? Even though God was good, and God is good, I mean, you can go to the bank on that, God is good, but I'm telling you, because you come to God doesn't necessarily mean that all your problems are going to disappear. Sometimes, 
might getting saved might cause you a little bit more problem. But, uh, adjusting, amen? But sometimes older believers who are struggling with issues think, what is going on, God? I've lived for God. I've done all of these things. But I have a question for you this morning, okay? How do we respond to the atheist or the unbeliever when they say, I thought your God was a God of power? Hey, I, I thought your God was a God of love. How do you respond to those people that come up to you and say, uh, why does he allow the children to suffer? Why does a God that is supposed to be so good, why does he allow all the abuse? If your God is such a good God, why does he allow all the wars and all this stuff? And the list can go on and on and on. And sometimes you do not have an answer uh, for them. Sometimes you might be struggling yourself with why, what's going on in your heart or in life. Why does he allow the pain? Why, why, why? Now, Asaph knew that God was good. Okay, We know that God is good. But what he thought should happen to a believer and what he experienced seemed like a contradiction. If God is good, why am I experiencing all this stuff? And so I want to share with you some things that uh, he was going through. And as we get through this, I want you to understand something. Per your perception, whatever your perception of how living for God is supposed to be, your perception of that is your reality, though it may not be accurate. Everybody has their own perception of how things are supposed to play out. And, sometimes, and that is your reality. That's what you base your life on. But sometimes, I'm just simply telling you, our perception is not really what line up to the Word of God. And it might not be really accurate. So I want to go through Psalm 73 and share with you uh, and, and get some insight maybe to what we should be, how we should be facing life, all right? When you and I, like the singer of Psalm 70, 73, are facing difficult and discouraging situations, and you look around at others, and maybe even ones that hurt you are, maybe even ones that you look at that are, that are experiencing great things, and they are going on with their life, even prospering. Maybe, maybe it was his view. Someone said, when he talked about the unbelievers, one writer said, he's really not talking about someone who is outside of of the, of the tribe of Israel or the Hebrews. It was his view from the choir. He had dedicated his life to being a song leader and, and a worship leader. And he saw people come and go from the temple who came there as a ritual, who came there as a custom, and yet their life in their life, uh, it wasn't measuring up. And maybe his view from the choir contributed to the way he was looking but just for a moment, when we talk about unbelievers, let's just talk about when you look at other people. And those nagging thoughts begin to beat on you. I've been faithful, God. When things aren't going very well and you're looking at other people and they're going on with life and they're ugly and everything else and, uh, you know, and they're going, it doesn't seem like anything's happening negative in their life. But you, you're going through, you know, one thing after another. You've been trying to be faithful to God, and you're, those nagging thoughts begin to beat on you. Why me? I shouldn't have to go through this. Hmm. And you fill in the blanks. Those things, those thoughts that bombard your mind when you're going through and you're having questions about, why in the world is this happening to me? We need to first understand why he started to think this way. Maybe we can relate when we understand what caused him to begin to see this way. 
Psalm 73 and verse 3 said, For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I was envious. Well, that's a good Christian trait. That lets me know right away that he's gotten off track because he's allowing envy now to cloud his vision and, and distort what is reality. I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, Asaph was not against the prosperity. He wasn't against somebody driving a Rolls Royce, but he just wanted to be the one doing it. But he was envious of, of the people that were boasting. It's difficult to see life clearly through the tears of self-pity and envy. When you look at other people and you begin to look through the clouds and the vision of envy, it distorts what you see. It distorts your reality because now God is good. And if your needs is being provided for, that, that is what God has promised you. Now, if, and we're not against prosperity, and we hope everybody prospers, but not everybody prospers to the point of, of others. There's always going to be somebody that has more money than you. Always going to be somebody else that's better off than you. Always. But you had to be content with what God has given you until he takes you to the place where you can receive more. Amen? So, but the, don't get into this envy thing because it will cloud your eyes. It will cloud your vision. And envy began to distort his view of reality. They prosper. Verses 8 and 9 said, they say anything. They do anything. <laughs> they treat God as if he is non-existent. They think that, well, God doesn't know what I'm doing. He doesn't take notice of what I'm doing. You know, church is one thing. Business is something else. They say whatever they want to. They do whatever they want to. And, and, and when you get your eyes on people like that, I'm telling you, it will always affect you in a negative way. Don't do that. So he, start, he started with envy. Psalm 73. Now notice where he gets. Psalm 73, verses 13 and 14. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. And wash my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued. <laughs> oh, Lord. Nothing goes right. Everything I do seems like it's wrong. And I'm chastened every morning. I'm disciplined every morning. How many of you have, have allowed those thoughts to play into your mind and to discourage you? I Surely now... I've washed my hands in innocence. I've cleansed my heart in vain. All I've got, you know, I've come to God. I've tried to do the right things, and all of these things is crashing on me. Nothing's going right. You lose your job. You, you know, you, you, you lost everything, whatever. I mean, things are not going good. Everything I do is wrong. That's where this guy's at. But it also gives me a little insight into his life. These verses let us know he was convinced that he deserved to be prosperous. See, I, I got saved, and I deserve to be prosperous. Well, you are blessed, and you are highly favored. But sometimes, you know, there is some, there are some things that goes along with prospering. First, I mean, there's a, I could get into a lot of practical stuff here. People don't prosper just because you fall off the turnip truck. There are some, there are some principles involved in prospering. It's not just us getting saved. That earns us the right to prosperity or deserve, or we don't deserve that just because we get saved, all right? So, but he had got his eyes on, you know, I, I've cleansed my heart in vain. Why? It hasn't prospered me. 
I've washed my hands in innocence all day long, and, I've been, and as a result of that, I've been plagued all the time, all day long. You been there, done that? Problems, trials, have to watch what I say. He's a mess. He's an emotional basket case. Now I got some new, try to counsel this person. Here's this person that comes, and, they, they, and they're eat up with all this stuff, and all they see is the negative stuff, and they don't see the goodness of God. They know God is good, but they don't see it all. And so they come to you, and, and, they, and they come for advice. You know what I do? I send them to Pastor Bradley. He can take care of them. He's smarter than me. And he'll probably have a word that can just fix whatever their emotional problems are. Right, Mike? <laughs> They're a mess. He has gotten himself into a big problem because of the way he perceives what he's going through. Now, let me say something good about this man before we go any farther. Psalm 73, verse 15. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. While he was wrestling with his faith issues, there are some redeeming qualities here that, that I think we need to apply to our life. Every one of us probably wrestles it sometimes with faith issues. Why am I going through this? Why? And, but he had enough sense not to express that in front of young Christians. It, would have been, it wouldn't have been right for me to express these things in front of new Christians. Why? Because he knew it would be a stumbling block to their faith. And he had, the, he had the wisdom to keep silent about what he was going through. He was working the issues out. He had these things in his mind, but he was also in the process of working them out. And he had the wisdom to keep quiet about it because if you, if you're not, if you don't use wisdom in these areas, you can discourage someone who's coming along behind you in the path behind you. And you don't want to be involved in causing someone to sh make shipwreck of their faith, uh, especially if they're young in the Lord. God is very uh, uh, clear about that, not becoming a stumbling block to those that are young. Notice the turning point for this man. Psalm 73, verses 16 through 17. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Somebody says, I can live for God at home. Well, that's true. But you need to get, you need to get in God's presence. It'll make all the difference in how you look at life. It might not stop you from going through the issues and the problems and all that other stuff, but I'm telling you, it will clear your vision up on how you face those issues. When I thought of how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood therein. What you see is not what they get. Things may appear one way, but until you see, until your vision is clear, you cannot see right. He got into the presence of God. Until this point, he had been looking through natural eyes. Uh, envy and pride had narrowed his vision. He didn't understand. But when he got into the temple of God, when he got into God's presence, now I want to say something. The sanctuary is not so much a place as it is a principle. For Asaph now, it was a temple. And I encourage, you know, I've, I've, I'm, man, I'm a church person. I believe in going to church. If I wasn't preaching today, I'd be in church somewhere. Why? Because it's a good habit to get into. Because in this place, I can get into the presence of God. The Holy Spirit has access to me in a way that He doesn't have anywhere else. 
It's in God's presence. But it's not so much a place as it is a principle. For Jacob, it was on Mount Moriah. He was fleeing from his brother and not understanding what his future was going to be about. His mind, no doubt, was clouded in trouble about his future. But he lived on a certain mountain called Mount Moriah. He pulled up a rock for a pillar. And during that night, he had a revelation from God. He got into God's presence. And it changed his whole outlook about his life and his future. Now, so get into the presence of God. For Jonah, it was in the belly of a fish. How does God deal with rebellious prophets? How did he deal with rebellious people? You might wind up in the belly of a fish. And if you do, you're going to take that opportunity to get in God's presence. And when you get into God's presence, there is repentance. There's a change of mind. There's a change of attitude. There's a change in the way you view things that are going on around you. Uh, there, you you're, you're cured of your... Um, I, if you're ever going to be cured of selfishness, if you can't get cured of that in the belly of a fish, it, you're done. For Jonah, it was in the belly of that fish. But when he got into God's presence and he got right, you know what happened? The fish got rid of him in the place where he was supposed to go. You know, I, I'm convinced that when you get into God's presence, miracles can take place in your life. For Saul, it was on the Damascus road. His vision was all distorted. He thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians. I mean, that's how he viewed it. He thought he was God's person. He was, he was God's avenging tool. I mean, he was on a mission. He had letters from the, from the priest. He was going to, going to Damascus, and he was going to take care of business. But on the Damascus road, he got into the presence of God. And it changed his whole outlook cleared his vision up to what was really reality and what was really going on around him. And you know the story about his conversion. Wherever it happens for you and I, wherever it happens for you and I, you'll begin to see differently. Your vision, you're going to, the way you look at things. I have a question. If you're in this situation today, if you can identify maybe with what, Asaph is going on. Uh, let's do a reality check, okay? And let me ask you some questions. Do unbelievers have it made? No. Reality is no. I, those people that you have your eyes on, that might be doing all kinds of things that, that you know you can't do or get away with and all that stuff, and those people you have your eyes on that you are envious of, the reality is they do not have it made. What you see is not what you're getting. They put on a good front. But when they are truthful with themselves, it's a totally different story. So do they have it made? No. Do all of them live on easy street? No. There's a few that live good but most unbelievers don't live on easy street just the few that the enemy has you eyes focused on remember what see behind it all there's a spiritual warfare going on here in the lives of people because the enemy can get your eyes on on a certain few to discourage you that's exactly what he will do 
Remember when he went up to God and he says, did Job fear you for not? You take down the hedge around his life and let, let me touch him and he'll curse you. And God says, okay. I don't know why God did that. Why did he do that? He knew Job. Job was a pawn in a conflict between God and the devil. And sometimes we're exposed to stuff in the process of warfare in our life that behind it all, you have to remember there's a spiritual enemy that's behind it. Do all of them live the abundant life? Reality check? No. How can you say that? Well, we got Teen Challenge. We got our Schick Hospitals and our Betty Ford Clinics and all the other stuff to get people off of drugs and get people off of alcohol. We've got our abortion clinics to kill the fruit of, the, of lust. We've got, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. That doesn't sound like abundant life to me. Sounds like pain and heartache and bondage and sickness. I mean, so do, a reality check is what you see. You have to remind yourself what you see is not really reality. Then notice what he says, Psalm 73, verses 18 through 19. He realized all of them were on what? Slippery ground. They were consumed with fears. Remember what I told you, what you see is not really what in the, in the when they're really truthful with themselves, they have fears and they wrestle with doubt. You may not see it. They may not confess it to you. But that is reality to them. And they're on slippery ground. Asaph was changed. Notice verse 21 and 22. He was changed mentally. He was changed emotionally. He saw himself like an animal. What, what does that mean? He was reacting instinctively. He was not reacting through the Spirit of God. He was reacting instinctively and he was reacting purely selfishly. That's the reason his vision was distorted. And he said he saw himself as a beast or as an animal. Four things he realized. And I want to leave you with these four things. And Steph, if you'll come and just play some music. And if you're journaling, I want you to write these down. These, this, he realized four things. As he began to be restored. One of them is in verse 23. I am always with you. I am with you always. You are always with me. Notice what it says. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. When you're going through your stuff, you have assurance of God's presence. Number one. If you're going through some stuff today, be assured God is with you. God is good. Psalms 46 and verse 1. God is our refuge and what? Strength. A very present help in time of trouble. You going through some trouble? I'll show you where God's at right there. He'll never leave you. So when you're going through your times of struggle and things are not going exactly like you would want them to do, or, or maybe you're struggling with the questions, all this stuff going on, remember, if you'll open your eyes, if you'll be sensitive, God's there. He hasn't left you. 
You're just not seeing him in your situation. You're with me continually. When I'm tossed on life's sea and the waves, they cover me and the storm clouds won't let the sun shine through. Then a voice seems to say, child, there'll be a brighter day. And if you're going through the storm, if you're, going, if you're being tossed on life's sea, God's in your boat. God. Secondly, you hold me by my right hand. What a picture that is. Not only is he present, he's holding your hand. God's support. God's grace is sufficient for you. I think it was Tina Earl that drew a picture in the men's bathroom upstairs. I think it goes something like, I can't control the wind, but I can control the, the adjustment of the sails. You and I have no control of the winds that sometimes blow across our life, but we can adjust the sails of our life. No matter how the wind blows. God's support will always be there with you. He is present. He's got you by the hand. The third thing that he saw was God's guidance. God's guidance. You will guide me with your counsel. So you got God's presence. Okay. You got his provision, all right, God's support. Now you have his guidance. How's he going to do that? Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. If the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body. It will quicken you. It will give you guidance. You'll hear his voice say, walk this way. You have his word in your lap. And you have the counsel of wise people that have walked a path before you that can come alongside you and give you support. If you're going through some stuff today, I guarantee you there's a sailor in this building today that has went through it before you. And if you'll ask, they may give you some wise counsel and how to go through it. And notice the fourth thing that he found, that he realized, future glory. What's the rest of the story, Pastor? Look at verse 24. And afterwards receive me 
to glory. Don't get so earthbound that you forget the rest of your story. <laughs> this is not the end. You may be thinking, boy, I'm not going to survive this. I'm not going to get through this. God's going to take you to heaven. Future glory. I don't care how rough it gets. Don't get your eyes so focused on this dirt that you lose sight of where God is taking you. The difference between turkeys and eagles. Turkeys are earthbound. Eagles know how to, how to soar. Don't get so earthbound that you get used to the barnyard of this earth and you lose sight of the glory of where God has taken you. Yes, it may seem tough. You're going to have your days. You're going to go through your trials and your tests. But don't lose your faith in the process. God is with you. Got you by the right hand. He'll give you guidance because He's taking you somewhere. Amen. Amen. He's taking you somewhere. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these folks this morning. We're on a trip. It's a glorious trip. It's a one-way trip. You're with us along beside us on the path. You've got us by your hand. You're leading us. You're giving us guidance through your Holy Spirit. And you are taking us to a special place from level to level to level. Those that may be going through tough times this morning, might be struggling with their faith. God, assure them. Assure them. Open our eyes. Let us get into your presence. Reveal to us what's really going on behind the scenes. And let's get our eyes off our present circumstances to where you are taking us. Do it today for your glory. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Sing it before we go, will you?
I want in His presence, don't you? Of things I've had my fill. And yet I hunger still. Empty and bare, Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. Everybody stand, help me sing, will you? More of you. Just more of you. I've had it all, but what I need is more of you. Of things I've had my fill and yet I hunger still empty and bare Lord hear my prayer for more of you Father we bless you this morning I want you to take your neighbor by the hand will you I want you to pray for him today some of you are the, that you, you may not know, people in the audience that you're connecting with today might be going through some very trying circumstances. I want you to pray for your neighbor and your friends today as a church family. I want you to pray a prayer of encouragement over their life. Will you do it right now? Pray a prayer of encouragement. Father, we just, we just bind together with our friends and our neighbors, our church family. And I speak into their life blessings, Lord God, in favor. Some of them are going through what seems like impossible situations and wrestling through circumstances and even now may be discouraged, Lord God, because of what they are seeing and going through. But I'm praying that you'll speak to them by your spirit today. Let them know that, that there is nothing that has taken us by surprise that, that you do are not aware of because you are present with us. Let them sense and feel your presence today along the path that they are walking. Oh, let them sense and feel your hand in theirs, God, as you guide them and give them guidance along the way. Do it today, Father. Encourage them. Challenge them today. Clear our vision. Clear our eyes to see what's really going on in our lives. Get us our faith firmly established in your goodness again. God is good. And He is good all the time, regardless of what I may or may not go through. God is still good. He is still good. Oh, He is still good. And He is for you. He is for you. He loves you today. Thank you, Father God. We bless you today. Shake hands and be friendly. Will you see you at 6, okay? We're going to have a church.